welcome to Matt and Kevin Talk Church, two pastors, two old friends from two different denominations on two different coasts talking about faith, culture, the Bible, and the ins and outs of church ministry. I'm Matt Curtis, pastor of Decision Life Church and Evangelical Free Church in Wairika, California. And I'm Kevin Sheehan, the associate pastor of Reformed Presbyterian Church, a PCA church in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the podcast. Well, hey everyone, guess what? We are still high on Easter sugar candy because we are recording this on Monday, April 5th. We just finished recording an episode with Stephanie Hubach, which by the time Can't you hear wait this, to hear it. Yeah. by the time you hear this, hopefully you've already heard hers because hers is better because it's her and not us. But uh, we had a lot of fun doing that. And um, Matt is actually going to be away next week at a conference. So we're just recording another one today. Uh, yep. Presumably we'll post it during that week. But yeah, what's your favorite Easter candy? Did we discuss this? I don't think we did. You know, like I, I like the Cadbury cream eggs. I enjoy those. Those are good. Also, like the Reese's, you know, egg with the peanut butter and chocolate. I'm all about that. But yeah, yeah. See, my son has a peanut allergy, so mm. every Halloween and Easter, we commandeer all of those like peanut butter candy, and that becomes our Easter candy and Halloween candy. Nice. So nice. I love Reese's pieces and peanut butter cups and yeah yeah yep. poor kid et e. changed my life with the Reese's pieces yeah right yeah so anyway um it's the day after easter which it you know it's kind of like christmas in that it, we have a holiday for it like a separate holiday for it and yet it, we shouldn't ever limit the celebration of the incarnation or a celebration of the resurrection to just the holiday you know what i mean like Christmas songs are just phenomenal theologically and everything else. And we really should be singing them all the year round yep. and kind of same with Easter, obviously. And there's a sense in which every Sunday is a resurrection Sunday, but well, because we meet on Sunday because of, because of that. Or, yeah. Um, but uh, we, we do tend to limit it to just a holiday, which is, which is too bad. Um, so we actually want to talk a little bit about Easter, even though by the time this posts, it'll be well beyond Easter and we'll be on to, whatever else but but there's something right about that there is and the easter message is obviously timeless so it's not like uh oh no we're easter Easter people we're easter people yeah Yeah. so anyway we we both preached yesterday our easter sermons and as it turned out we just discovered like five minutes ago that we both preached from matthew 28 kevin's is better go listen to that instead well yeah you you haven't even listened to it yet so you don't know that I've listened to enough of your sermons to know that you're better than me. But oh, anyway, that's no, not that, true at all, people. Yeah. But all right, so new poll going out. <laughs> listen to both our sermons. <laughs> listen to both, and you just let us know on Twitter who you think is better. So that's yeah. fine. We can there we go. It. Twitter poll. A Twitter battle battle royale. Anyway, <laughs> that's not going to happen. That yeah. No, anyway, no, it's not. Your mom will vote for you, and my mom will actually maybe the way around. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway, you notice how Steph said she wanted to hear your Easter sermon? She didn't say that. I did notice that. I did (laughs) notice that. But that's because she heard yours yesterday. (laughs) Like she goes to your church. And so. Yeah, I suppose. All right. Yeah. Anyway. So we want to talk a little bit about just our Easter sermons, not because we don't want to talk about our sermons per se, but just uh, some observations from Matthew 28 um, that go beyond Easter, really, that that are worth 
that are worth mentioning again. So I preached Matthew 28, mostly focusing on verses one through 10. So that's the first part where basically the Marys go to the tomb, are surprised by the angel, and then run to go tell the disciples. And on the way to doing that, uh, run into Jesus. And Jesus greets them and says, again, go and tell my disciples to meet me in Galilee. So that's that's sort of the block of scripture that I was primarily working with. And there's just a few observations that I wanted to make from that. Um, one, and we kind of overlook this a lot, I think, in our excitement for Easter and our excitement for the resurrection and the good news of the resurrections, we've, we've kind of forget just how dark things were. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do Good Friday and we maybe give it a little bit of lip service. It's kind of like, like when you watch a movie and you know the ending and it's a happy ending. And so the darker, like sad parts that come right before it, it's just easier to bear because you know what's coming. And so sometimes I think we, uh, you know, we, we go through Good Friday sort of with Easter in the back of our minds. And so we don't really totally fully yeah. sit mm-hmm. in it. And that's not uh, all bad, but there, there can be an No, imbalance. it's not. And it's, of course, yeah. impossible to do otherwise. But yeah, I did kind of want to make sure, like, you know, when the Marys went to the tomb, I mean, they had every reason to believe that Jesus was dead. Like, and that they just wasted three years of their lives. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was yeah. not metaphorically, but actually, positively, yeah. absolutely dead. They were there at the cross. They were there when Joseph yeah. put him in the tomb. Like, they knew that. And also, the authorities were opposed to them. Um, both the religious authorities, like their own people, uh, the Jews were against them, and the Romans, the state authorities, were against them. They conspired to kill their leader and declared his followers to be enemies of both church and state. Uh, and so the disciples were hiding in fear. So just the fact that the Marys even showed their face in public um, was courageous. Yeah. Much less go to the tomb where there's a Roman guard uh, or, or you know, Roman soldiers who are the, the guard. Right. To anoint his body. I mean, that's, that took a lot of courage. So they go there, I think, with a lot of fear and trembling. And then, of course, there's an earthquake. There's an angel. And angels are always scary in scripture. Every time. Don't be afraid. Every time. And the the angel says, don't be afraid. And of course, (laughs) whoever it is just falls on their face in fear anyway. Uh, Yeah. And there's good reasons to be afraid. Yeah. and, And then gives them this this news that he has risen and go tell the disciples. And so they go and it says that they ran from the tomb in Matthew 28, eight with fear and great joy. And that was actually my sermon title with fear and great joy. Because I, I wanted all of us to, to really take a little bit of a trip into that emotional voyage of the two Marys and really all the disciples of that time of just that emotional roller coaster of in one week's time, you've gone from the triumphal entry into Jerusalem to Jesus hanging on a cross to now the resurrection. Yeah, and just this incredible emotional roller coaster that they, that they must have been going through. Um, but then as they're running with fear and great joy away from the tomb, they run right into Jesus. And whatever doubts they may have had, whatever second guessing they may have been doing in terms of, did we really just see what we just saw? There they are at the feet of Jesus, you know, worshiping him. And kind of the main point, I guess, and the main point, I guess, that I want to share today on the podcast is that the resurrection has many implications. And just a few of them are these. One is that whatever your greatest fears are, Jesus is greater. Now, I developed that a lot more yesterday, and I don't mean that to be just some sort of cliche. You know, like we we can make that just be like, oh, well, Jesus is bigger. 
and, and make it like almost it like a cop out or like a, a way of not acknowledging the very real, very real fear or difficulty someone's facing. Right. Like Jesus is bigger. Like it can, that can actually be unhelpful if said in a, yeah. Yeah. Like that's not necessarily a good counseling um, statement. Like or it, maybe it's, not it's, leading with that. It's yeah. true, but yeah, you don't want to just sort of um, dismiss the, the fear or the pain or the whatever. Um, but so when I say Jesus is greater than any of your fears, that, that just means like your fears, evil, Satan, death itself doesn't get the last word. It means Jesus gets the last word. And that's good. That's good news. Preach. That he gets the last word. So that's one implication of the resurrection. The second one is this, that your pain has a point and that your suffering has a purpose. Hmm. Because, you know, without God, your suffering is just suffering. And then that's it. (laughs) Nothing you really can do with that. But with God in the picture, if Jesus really is alive, then that means the greatest pain ever experienced and the greatest evil ever committed, which, by the way, was Jesus hanging on the cross. And even that can be turned into blessing. Which means all of my significantly lesser pains and difficulties and hardships in my life can absolutely be turned into blessing. And even if, even if I die, I put on immortality. So even death doesn't stop the blessings of God. Hmm. So second implication of the resurrection, your pain has a point and it has a purpose. And then the third one is that evil and death and all that, like while they seem to be prevalent in our lives, in the scheme of eternity, they only get brief glimmers. They only lodge small victories, very temporary ones. But the long arc of history is that God reigns supreme and nothing will ever stop God from accomplishing his purposes. So part of what the resurrection does, I think, is it takes us out of kind of the here and now and gives us just a bigger perspective on life in terms of, you know, eternity and says, you know, in the grand scheme of thing, God knows exactly what he's doing and he's not going to be um, thwarted by anything, any scheme of man, any scheme of the devil, not even not even Jesus hanging on the cross could stop him. In fact, that was the means by which he blesses the world. So good. So those those were kind of my main points, I guess, yesterday, and I think just a, a fruitful place for us to uh, meditate uh, year round as we consider the resurrection and the implications of the resurrection is that yes, there is, there is fear in this life and that's not be like silly about it. You know, it's not be, it's not try to like, you know, uh, hit or bang our chests and puff out our chests and just sort of say like, ah, oh, I'm not afraid. You know, that's, that's a little bit silly. I think um, there are risks in this life and we should calculate them and then w- make wise decisions in light of them. Faithlessness isn't fear and fearlessness isn't faith. But at the same time, like we do have joy. We do have the promise of the resurrection and that should grow in us. It is a fruit of the spirit. So it should be growing in us. And it, 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 it at first balances the fear and then eventually eclipses and overcomes the fear. And we know at some future point when we're in glory, that perfect love will cast out fear altogether, ultimately mm-hmm. and finally. Well, you've been listening to Matt and Kevin. No, I'm just. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so good. 
so that was, you know, that was kind of my Easter sermon in a, what, four-minute nutshell, I suppose. Nice. It's beautiful. So we had a great service. I, I thought the music, the music team did just an excellent job. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, it just really, I'm, my sermon was about a third of the length of the entire, you know, service. So really it was just a small part, but uh, the music was just incredibly uplifting and, and truly worshipful. And uh, it was just really, I mean, it was the most attendance that we've had since COVID began. So that, that in and of itself was just an encouraging sign. Oh, that, that felt good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, um, we're going to take a break. So why don't you go ahead and grab yourself your favorite beverage, be it coffee or tea or red birch beer, if you're into that. Or and, just, uh, you know, get a Reese's peanut butter cup. Yeah, get a Re- or a Cadbury egg if there's any left um, and uh, enjoy that. And we will be right back with you with more of Matt and Kevin Talk Church. Well, welcome back. You've been listening to Matt and Kevin Talk Church, and uh, we're still talking church. And Kevin gave uh, just a really excellent synopsis of his sermon. And so I'd encourage you to go and listen to that. I'm going to just really briefly uh, summarize my Easter sermon. Uh, we were in the same text, and I don't know that's ever happened for Kevin and I being in the same text on a given Sunday. So that's kind of fun. Um, I covered the whole chapter, so I was doing a flyover kind of of it and not really looking at the details. One of the things I emphasized in that first part um, was both uh, the soldiers and Mary and Mary were afraid at the sight of the angel, uh, but they responded very differently to their fears. The, the, the soldiers were paralyzed by it. And it's the text says they became like dead men, but Mary and Mary pressed through and went and went and came and saw the place where he lay. And so I think those are, we all have a choice in how we're going to respond to the things that, 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 that are afraid of us, or that are afraid of us, that we're afraid of. Um, are we going to allow those things to paralyze us and keep us from life? Or are we going to press in and look for Jesus? And so I think uh, that was, an, for me, that was just one of the things that I was noticing happening there. And uh, then uh, after that, we see that uh, the, both the angel and Jesus give Mary and Mary the job of going and telling uh, the disciples what happened. In fact, Jesus says, go and tell my brothers. And I was emphasizing that him calling them as brothers is significant because all of them to a man except for John has like abandoned him. They've either betrayed him, abandoned him, or denied him, right? None of them mm-hmm. except for John showed up. And so he doesn't say, go tell those losers to meet me in Galilee. Or go tell those bums. That's not what he says. He says, go tell my brothers. Um, the familial connection there. The, so I just found that to be profound. And then as he gives them this job to go and tell, and as they've come and seen, there's this, there's this sort of like meanwhile that happens in chapters, uh, I mean, verses 11 uh, through uh, 15, where uh, while the news is spreading among the disciples, it's also spreading among the chief priests. And if you look at the end of verse at uh, the end of chapter 27, they'd kind of premeditated how they were going to handle it because Jesus had said, hey, I'm going to raise from the dead after three days. And so they'd arranged to have soldiers there for this purpose. And so they pay the soldiers some money and say, hey, say that you fell asleep and they came and stole him during the night. And it says that uh, this this story was spread among the Jews, um, even to this day, it says. And even if, you know, if you go and you read primary sources, uh, that is a story that was circulated. And of course, the question is, 
if the tomb's not empty, why circulate that story? Right? Like, why would that story even be a thing? And so it gives us some confidence in the fact that Jesus is, in fact, uh, risen from the dead. And then I kind of closed with, um, so about a week later, the 11, uh, minus Judas, of course, go and uh, meet at the mountain where Jesus directs them. And there's that part in verse 17 where it says they saw him and they worshiped, which I just love. Of course, they're worshiping him. And then it says, but some doubted. And so when we gather on Sunday mornings, like we're, we're not all in the same place necessarily of uh, following, finding and following Jesus. And that worship and doubting are, aren't even mutually exclusive. They can both be going on at the same time. And then it says, Jesus came near to them. And he says that all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. And then he gives them this job of going to the nations and telling them about everything that he's done. And so it's in, in the providence of God last week, Barna, the Barna Institute came out with a study that said 50 per 51% of church going people who, you know, they attend church, they profess to be believers, don't know the great commission. And I was just really disturbed by those numbers. And so I just spent some time unpacking that, that the first half is that we are going and telling uh, who Jesus is and what he has done. And that the second half is that we, and this isn't just for professional ministers, it's for everybody to teach them to obey the things that he said. And then I talked about some areas in our church where we're doing that, that our mission as a church is to help people find and follow Jesus as we grow in a relationship with him. We go and uh, tell anyone who will listen about what he's done. And that really that's a response to the, to the resurrection. Because Jesus is risen from the dead, we have this mission of helping people know, love, and serve him. And so um, that's what really undergirds our churches. That's what all churches are about in one way or another. And that is a direct response to the, res to the resurrection. And so that was, that's my uh, sermon in a nutshell. You can go listen to it if you're so inclined and vote in the upcoming poll. But <laughs> yeah, that's good. I mean, that, that's, yeah, like, it's interesting how we took basically the same chapter and, and just went yeah. in different directions. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there's so much there to, there's so much there to keep us busy, I suppose. Yeah, uh, for discussing. sure. Right, one thing that kind of, I didn't, I didn't wind up going there. I thought about it earlier in the week, but if you draw a line straight from verse 10 to verse 16, sort of mm -hmm. skip the part about the report of the guard, you know, mm -hmm. Jesus tells the two Marys, don't be afraid, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. And then skip to verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Like obviously the Marys did their job, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, like, like they, they, they did that. They went and obeyed. They told the, the brothers and then they show up in Galilee. Yeah. Um, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. I think part of what's kind of fascinates me is this is like, there's so many of this like little details. Yeah. Uh, that we kind of jump over sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that I noticed was that, you know, the only promises that are given in verses one through 10 anyway, are that they will see Jesus. Right. All right. The angel says, you will see him. Jesus yeah. says, they will see me. And, and here, and here are the Marys who are, you know, and all the disciples who are just undergoing pretty intense persecution. Yeah. And Jesus doesn't promise to do away with any of that. It says the promise to you is that you will see me. 
And that, that, that promise is what fuels them. And then when you get to the Great Commission, the great promise there is similar. It says, and I am with you always to the end of the age. Yeah. You know, it, it's not just like, all right, now go and do this and good luck. <laughs> it's like, no, and, and I, will be, I will be with you. Yeah. Uh, so there's this incredible, man, there's just so much to reflect on there, I think. And that, yeah. I, it's just worth reflecting on. I don't even know that there's words to it. Probably someone far more eloquent than me could give it a shot, but. You know, all right, to, I'll try. To, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm where's Steph? Let's get Steph back on. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a, um, the promise that we have, you know, one of the great hopes of the resurrection and the great hopes that we have in the life to come is that we will be with Jesus. Yeah. And sometimes I think we want more than that. Yeah. You know, we, we want to be like, well, and what else? And pleasures yeah. evermore, or whatever. And it's like, no, that's enough, actually. Um, yeah. So and there's something that's kind of strange when we try to tack onto that, I guess. Yeah. Like even yeah. the Great Commission itself is fueled by the promise the of that, that He will always be with us in the form of the Holy Spirit, of course. But so, so John Piper has this idea where he talks about, okay, suppose um, in eternity your loved ones won't be there there won't be streets of gold like all the stuff we like to talk about like none of that's true but jesus is there do you still want to go right like like that's the test for do you have a right view of um because a, a lot of times you put a lot of the emphasis and it's not that it's not good to look forward to seeing or being reunited with loved ones or whatever but it, the point piper's making is is the main point is that jesus is going to be there the main reward is jesus not all the other stuff. The other stuff is just, yeah. you know, gravy. But yeah, I think that's one of the challenges I felt as a preacher. And I think this is just true just as a Christian, just as a yeah. follower of Jesus. This alone is enough of a challenge, much less trying to preach it or teach it. Yeah. But how do I how do I make Jesus more desirable, if that's the right word? How right. do I how do I make myself and others to want to want Jesus? that Jesus would truly be enough because we tend to want to make it like, well, there's sanctification and there's this blessing and there's that blessing. And there's, you know, all these other blessings. And we talk about those things rightly. Like it's right to do that. Exactly. But, exactly. Yeah. But it's like, just Jesus is enough. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't know how to kind of nourish or foster that, that desire. Yeah, like sometimes I find myself at a loss, even kind of knowing how to do that. I think we have to pray to want that ourselves, want him most, and then model that for our people. Yeah. I mean, that's really the only way to do that. And that can only be done over time like that. You're not doing that in one sermon. Like that's, that's happening over the course of your ministry there, hopefully, as you um, teach them and as you marry them and bury them. And, you know, in my case, you know, baptize them you know, the right way. And, 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 and all of that. Yeah. yeah. Over oh, that's a, that's a lifetime project there. Yeah. 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 I guess, you know, the, obviously the closest example we probably have humanly speaking would be a marriage. Yeah. Um, you know, and just wanting to be with somebody you're maybe yeah. a close friend too, or family member, just wanting to be with them is enough. Like that's yeah. the blessing, just presence. Sure. Just, disconnection or whatever and not yeah. all the uh you know other stuff that goes along with it or I like being with them because you know they're fun or they make me laugh or we do stuff together yeah. or 
whatever other sort of benefits, if you will, no, but, like ju- that's, but just them. And that's the that's closest an, we have. That's an apt analogy. I mean, now, of course, you, know, you don't have to be married to understand this, of course, if there are singles listening. But I know for me, like... Okay, even when, just close friends or close, you know, whatever. When Anita and I were engaged, one of the things I was looking forward to was like, you know, we'd be up late watching a movie or whatever, and then I'd have to take her home, you know? Yeah. And I was looking forward to the time that would come when I didn't have to take her home. When we when we wouldn't separate, she'd stay, you know? Yeah. And, I remember uh, that too. Yeah. With Aunt, I mean, I remember that too. Just, yeah. Just, uh, you know, I was in the seminary at the time we were dating that we met and we're dating and uh, just working long hours and whatever, and just waiting to waiting for when I could go see her at the end of the week. And uh, it didn't, yeah. I didn't care what we were going to do. Just, yeah. just wanted to be with her, you know? And yeah, I had the same thought of, you know, once we're married, we don't have to say goodnight. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, we still say goodnight, but you know, but yeah, not in the sense rude, not, you, not, not, not the sense of goodnight and goodbye. And yeah, you know, I drive home, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. twenty minutes yeah. back to my place or whatever it was. Yep. Yep. No, that's good. That's, I know that feeling well. And so, just before we close, um, I, I would be uh, remiss if I didn't mention just to follow up something that was said in, on a podcast not long ago. Uh, Kevin predicted that Gonzaga and Baylor uh, would be uh, would face each other in the final two. And as we're recording this, they're going to be facing each other uh, tonight. Uh, Kevin predicted that Baylor would win. And so by the time you're hearing this, we'll know whether or not Kevin was right. I predict that uh, it's Catholics against uh, against Baptists. And so I'm predicting that uh, Baylor's going to win by a dunk. And so that that's what I think. That's what I think is going to happen tonight an awful joke <laughs> it's a dad joke mixed with a sports joke it's the best kind i yeah. mean how many opportunities are going to come up like that <laughs> had to happen all right well we should probably wrap this up so yep. you've been listening to matt and kevin talk church we hope that what you've heard has been groan inducing and uh, well we hope <laughs> that the first part anyway was helpful and edifying in some way yeah. if you have any questions you'd like us to answer topics you'd like us to discuss you can always email us dad jokes you'd like to share yeah sure matt and kevin talk church at gmail.com follow us on twitter at mktc that being said i'm matt and i'm kevin and we've been talking church and the implications of the resurrection be warm and be fed <laughs>